Our series has only been a couple weeks long so far. When we were in Illinois last week, my sister-in-law, who's also my aunt, she asked me, she said, what's it feel like not having to prepare a message for Sunday morning? I said, well, that doesn't make any difference. To me, I do a series. So I always know what I'm going to do, usually, until I start a new series. But so we are in a series. Just my preferred method of preaching, so not the only way, certainly not. Deuteronomy 26. I want you to listen real careful as we read what's going on here in Deuteronomy. And it shall be when thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possesses it and dwellest therein. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. You can notice that God didn't say if when verse 2 that thou shalt take the first of all the fruit of the earth which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord God giveth thee and shall put it in a basket and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and notice this, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers for to give Pause for a moment. Most theologians agree that's the first liturgy given in the Bible. When you get there, you take some of the first fruits, you put them in a basket, and you take it before the priest, and you declare before him that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers for to give us. Verse 4. And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God. So here the liturgy continues. Assyrian, and by the way, he's speaking about Jacob. Assyrian ready to perish was my father. And he went down into Egypt, sojourned there with a few, and he became a great nation, great and mighty and populous. And the Egyptians evil entreated us and afflicted us and laid upon us hard bondage. And when we cried unto the Lord God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand 
and with an outstretched arm. And with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. And he hath brought unto us, he hath brought us into this place and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruit of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me. And thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God. And here's our topic. And worship before the Lord thy God. And thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee. And unto thine house, thou and the Levite, and the stranger that is among you. Don't miss what's going on here in chapter 26, these first 11 verses. If you know the story of the Bible, you know the the journey to the promised land turned out to be a long, difficult journey. And most of the time during that journey, the Jews were, con- the Israelites were convinced we we're never going to make it. We will never enter the promised land. And yet God says, when you get there, here's what I want you to do. And we mentioned a week or so ago that in chapter 22, verse 5 of Genesis was the first mention of that actual word, uh, worship. And we saw Abraham putting worship in action as he was willing to offer up his only son, the treasure of his heart, Isaac, to Almighty God. And we learn from that that worship is all that we are reacting to all God is. But tonight I want us to realize that worship, biblical worship, always involves an element of sacrifice. So actually, biblical worship is a gift we give to the God who saved us to save me from my wretched condition that I was in. And worship is a distinct method of approaching God like a no other. Worship is different from prayer. Worship is different from praise. And I realize that prayer and praise can contain worship, but by themselves, they are altogether different. 
Because prayer is the obsession of the soul with its needs. How many needy people do I have here tonight? Yeah. Prayer is an obsession with those needs in our life. Prayer says, Lord, save me. Prayer says, Lord, give me. Prayer asks for the things that our soul longs for. And we are a needy people. And there's nothing wrong with that because the Scriptures, God commands us to do that. So prayer is the obsession of the soul with our needs. Praise, on the other hand, is the obsession of our soul with its blessings. Has God been good to you? Yeah. Praise says, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you have given me and all you have done in me. Praise says, thank you, Lord, for your many gifts and your many blessings. And we lift our hearts in praise. And there's nothing wrong at all with vocal, visible praise. And God commands us to do that, and it honors Him when we do. Thank you, Lord, for what you do. But not only that, God is infinitely worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our praise. And may I say he's worthy of all the praise we can give him. Through the years, I've had people brag on me and they went too far. But my friend, you can never go too far when you brag on God. He is infinitely worthy of our praise. So prayer is the obsession of the soul with his needs. Praise is the obsession of the soul with his blessings. Worship, on the other hand, is the obsession of the soul with God himself. With God himself. So worship is not focused on itself, on ourself. Worship is not, the focus of worship is not on the blessings. Worship is a focus on God alone. And when I think about that, I think about Job in chapter 1. And not rehash the whole story, you know the story. But when Job got the last word of what he had lost, the Bible says he fell down. He did what? He worshipped. You know why? His soul was obsessed with God. <laughs> that's worship, my friend. Well, that's worship. As far as Job was concerned, he lost the biggest blessings of his life. But it didn't matter. He was still obsessed with God. You see, worship's focus 
is indeed on God alone. Worship says, thank you, Lord, just for who you are. Thank you, Lord. Worship says, thank you, Lord, for being holy. Thank you, Lord, for being loving. Worship says, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for saving. I thank you, Lord, for your power. And the list can go on and on and on. And the knowledge we have of him should cause us to bow before him in humble If you are saved tonight, and I'm not doubting your salvation, we know that when we first came to Christ for salvation, we did it through prayer. Amen. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart. And when he does save our souls, we are thankful and we praise him for all that he has done for us. And then we begin to grow in Jesus Christ. We read his word. We commune with him in prayer. And when we do, we begin to know him more and appreciate him even more. And every time when I think of how holy Holy, holy he is. And that holy, 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 I am not. It breaks my heart in worship. And as we serve the Lord, he becomes more precious to us as the days go by. And I want to tell you, folks, I love him more today than I did yesterday. Amen. Oh, my goodness, God, you've been so good. You've been so good. I remember in the early days of my walk with him, I didn't know much at all about him. But as the days and the years wore on, I began to learn more and more about him. And my friend, he is so precious. He has become so precious to my heart. And I know he has to yours as well. Someone said that we come, we become sort of like the Shulamite woman in the Song of Solomon. And we declare that he is the cheapest among 10,000. He is altogether lovely. I hope you've discovered that by now in your walk with God. He is altogether lovely. And as we grow in our walk with God, 
we begin to see how wonderful his name is. How many know there's no other name like that? No other name like the name of Jesus. And we realize that how wonderful his name is, and we begin to realize that he is our Lord. He is the mighty, mighty King. And we began to discover for reality in our lives that He is the Great Shepherd. He is the rock of all ages. Oh, and He is our all in all. That's our God. You see, Jesus, in fact, did lay his life down for us. And he did it to save our souls. Thank God for that. But now that we're saved, our relationship with him involves so much more than that. How many know the day you got saved wasn't the end of the journey, but the beginning? It's where it all started. So not only is he our Savior, but he's also my friend. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? He's our companion every day we live. He's the one who supplies all of our needs. The Apostle Paul says he's a God of all comforts. He's our counselor. He's our guide. He's our guardian. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a song that says, He's everything I need. And He is. We read this verse this morning, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. Oh, my friend, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How many of you have that tonight? Gift of God. You see, God has given us the gift of salvation. He has given us eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And worship is our gift back to Him. So that's why we're in Deuteronomy 26. We give back to Him for all He has done for us through Christ. So keep that in mind as we work our way through these scriptures tonight about biblical worship. I want you to realize that here in Deuteronomy 26 is a call 
to worship for Israel. And it's here where God institutes the Feast of First Fruits. And God is saying through Moses' pen to Israel, when you come to the promised land, remember all that God did to bring you here. When you're settled in the land and you began to Reap the harvest. God says, I want you to take that first portion and bring it to me. Bring it to me as an offering of thanksgiving and worship. So here in Deuteronomy 26, God tells his people how they ought to approach him. Do I have any of God's people here tonight? Yeah. Aren't you glad the Bible's never outdated? Never outdated. And one of the lessons here at 26 is the fact that biblical worship always involved sacrifice. Always. The first thing I want to look at tonight as we look at the sacrifice of biblical worship is the worshiper's appreciation. And I ask again tonight, has God been good to you? Yeah. So as we read here in Deuteronomy 26, as Israel's call to worship they're reminded of the thoughts that ought to occupy the heart of any true worshiper. And I hope that we will learn that biblical worship (coughs) is far more than just gathering together to sing a few songs, Pray a few prayers, preach a sermon, and go home. Because the foundation of biblical worship is a heart that is filled with love and adoration for the mighty God and what he has done for us as worship. God says to the children of Israel, when you approach me, you should approach me with appreciation for the wonderful things I have done for you. So what are we to have in our mind as we approach God? Number one. Appreciation 
for the redemption He provides. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 1. And it shall be when thou shalt art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance and possess it and dwellest there. So God says to the Israelites, when you come before me, you're to come to offer a thanksgiving for how God has worked in your life. You know, I just, I can't imagine being in, in construction for many years. One of my greatest joys is when the job is done and I sit there and look at what I've done. Brother Mark Price put a little collage of the work we did on this weekend on the deck down there. And I watched it about 20 times a day. What I did, we did. But I can't imagine the Israelites... When they finally got to the promise and they looked back over the last many years and they began to reflect on all that God had done for them. How could they not worship Him? And you know their situation. And as worshipers, we're to be thankful for how God has brought us from nothing and given us everything. Praise His holy name. The worshiper is to be thankful for how God moved in power to deliver His people from bondage. And the worshiper is to remember that we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Ephesians chapter 2. And you have he quickened, made alive in other words, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. So God had brought Israel out of bondage, but my friend, every redeemed child has this blessing in their life. Every one of us. We were born into this slavery of sin. And God, thank you, Lord, has delivered us from that bondage. We are free. And that's why I sing. Jesus came into our world. And he shed his own blood that you and I might be redeemed. We really kind of addressed this issue this morning, but when we think about what Jesus did for us, first of all, primarily, He redeemed us. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. 
For as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things, silver, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation. That means lifestyle, by the way. Received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He redeemed us. He intervened for us. He intervened in our lost condition, and he called us to himself. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 4 through 7. But God, we preached about that some months ago, who is rich in mercy for his great love, well, he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, look at this. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, we talk about grace. We preach about grace. We sing amazing grace. But my friend, we will run, we're never going to know how amazing it really is until we get to heaven. Then we'll know. We will know, we will know how amazing God's grace is. He redeemed us, He intervened, He delivered us from a life of sin, and He made us a brand new creature. The Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So I've been redeemed. And you can claim the same thing for yourself. He intervened for me. He delivered me. But he also translated me into his kingdom. He brought us out of darkness. And he places into Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.13 Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I say thank you, Jesus. I was over here in this sphere of darkness. And the day I was saved, he translated me into light, into Jesus Christ. From darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from guilt to forgiveness, and from the power of Satan to the power of God. What a transaction. Thank you, Lord. He rescued me from a rebel kingdom. To serve the true king. And my friend, only the power of God can do that. <laughs> only the power of God can do that. I'm real glad you've been rescued. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Rescued from the rebel kingdom. Oh, my Lord. Good. God's so good. He is so good. Thank you, Jesus. But my friend, (laughs) 
Jesus himself said, I didn't do this in the, in the dark room somewhere. I did it openly. And he did it with all of this, with a mighty display of divine, sovereign power. And I want you to realize, when Jesus died on Calvary, and he raised again the third day, I am convinced every demon in hell trembled. Because they have been defeated. And when we approach him in worship, we should always come to him with our mind realizing all that he did for us whenever he saved our souls. So worship for us would certainly involve appreciation for the redemption he provides. But also, drawing from chapter 26 of Deuteronomy, verse 3, appreciation for his restoration. Look what it says. And thou shalt go unto the priest that shall be in those days, and say unto him, now here's the important part here, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers or to give us. Man. Think about what went on here. You're to remember that your father was just a wandering Syrian. And again, he's talking about Jacob. And make no mistake about it, it was by the providence of God they ended up in Egypt. Because God knew he would preserve the people to himself. And shortly after Joseph died, things began to take a turn for the worse. A new Pharaoh who didn't know anything about God. And they went in there with a handful of people. And the more the Egyptians tried to oppress them, the more they grew. Who caused that? And in Deuteronomy 26, the Israelite worshiper was to remember that God had brought them out of Egypt and settled them in the land flowing with milk and honey. And one important part of worship for us, it was also true for them, was to remember where God brought them from 
and what God has given us in His grace. Think with me for a moment in your mind. Those who would enter the promised land, those who would draw near to God to worship, they would remember how God parted the Red Sea. They would remember how God had fed their fathers with manna from heaven. They would remember how the Lord was with his people. Pillar of cloud by the day and fire by the night. I know you, this is a rhetorical, but do you remember the time when they were thirsty? How many would like to deal with six million thirsty people? And God told Moses to go up and strike that rock the first time. And I don't know when it finally dawned on me. And I know what the Bible says, that water came out of that rock. Trisha, you made a good point this morning in Sunday school about it. One inch of water is great. But I never, I never realized just how much, that was just a, wasn't this a sprinkle came out. Enough water came out of that rock to satisfy the thirst of six million people and all their livestock. They would look back and remember that. That worship, they would look back and remember how God defeated all their enemies. They would remember how God brought them out of a place of desolation into a place of blessing. And as they considered all of that, their appreciation for God would grow. And they would say, Lord, you've been so good to us. And they would realize, I think most of all, that God had given Israel a heritage and they were to be thankful for that. And my friend, the same is true for us. We need to remember that the Lord has brought us out of death into life. We need to remember that God has delivered us from a a place of darkness and isolation. And he's brought us, thank God, into a place of spiritual intimacy with him. He's restored us to a place of perfect fellowship with himself. And my friend, that ought to cause us to worship our God. Ephesians 2, look at verse 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in sins, hath Christ quickened us together by grace, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus.
Do you appreciate the Lord tonight? All He's done for us. Appreciation for His redemption. Appreciation for His restoration. And the third thing in verse 2. Appreciation for His rewards. What is that? That thou shalt take of the first fruit of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of the land, that notice it, that the Lord thy God giveth thee. Skip down to verse 9. And he hath brought us into this place, and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. Notice what God asked them to bring was simply a portion of what God had given to them. It belonged to God anyway. And so in our text tonight, the Israelite worshiper was to remember how God had blessed them beyond belief. Is that true in your life? God had planted them in a place where all their needs were met, a land flowing with milk and honey. As they approached God, they were to remember that they had been given a land, a place of peace, a place of prosperity, and a place of blessings. And my friend, they were to be thankful and grateful for those rewards. And the same is true for us. Not only did God save us, save our souls, but my friend, He has blessed us beyond belief. Beyond belief. Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be the Father, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us all with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Do you have anything to be thankful for tonight? Do you have any reason to appreciate God? He's blessed us. So what are those blessings? Next week, let's stand together. Father, we love you tonight, and even as we lift our hands and voices in praise, let us bow our hearts in worship. Let us draw near to you, that we might be more like you. Help us, God, to be appreciative of what you have done for us your redemption, your restoration, and, Lord, your many rewards, many benefits of our Lord. Father, I pray that we'll, when we leave this place, our hearts will be filled with a greater appreciation for our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.